I want to talk to you about God's goodness, and uh, I want to remind you of some things. And if you're a fast writer, I'll be a fast preacher. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord will gain something called new strength. Everybody say new strength. Uh, it, it's important. I talked to somebody who's had 18 orthopedic surgeries through uh, his sports career, and he's having to face another one, and so he knows what it's going to take to get the new beginnings. He's going to have to go through therapy and rehab and things like that, but he just keeps bouncing back, and what he does is he continues to exercise, and he continues to wait on the Lord. He continues to stay in the Word, and as he does these things, the Bible says he's gaining new strength. I got injured in a boating accident. I didn't take care of myself. I had PTSD, I'm pretty sure. My family would attest to that. And I also had physical issues where I couldn't do any push-ups. I couldn't open a jar. I couldn't turn the keys to the car for a period of time because of the damage to my sternum and my ribs and so forth. But, uh, you know, I'm getting back in shape. You can uh, get back in shape. You can learn and you can, you can have something new happen to you. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 19, he says he'll put a new spirit within you. And there's something amazing about the new birth, that you can have a new birth, it says in John chapter 3, verse 3, and be born again. Mark 2.22 talks about new wine. There can be new wine. John talks about a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says if anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And I think if you... If you're not familiar with this kind of culture, because I wasn't, when I went to church like this, it was foreign to me, the enthusiasm, the exuberance, the expression, but yet I couldn't, I couldn't argue against it. It was overwhelming evidence that, that something amazing, something bright and beautiful had happened in the lives of the individuals that were present. I could still sense it. I still keep coming back again and again and again to get more and more of it because it's just absolutely amazing and it's essential that we do. And this is a perfect atmosphere uh, for receptivity for the next wave of people that are coming out of the valley of decision and they need that fresh touch and they need to know there's actually hope and there actually is a possibility for a new birth and a new life and a new beginning. Hallelujah. Oh, listen, I'm going to read some quotes to you from some, some uh, stalwart Christians. Uh, Thomas Merton he said, by reading the Bible or the scriptures, I am so renewed that all nature seems renewed around me and with me. The sky seems to be pure and a, a, a cooler blue. The, the trees are deeper green. The whole world is charged with the glory of God, and I feel fire and music under my feet. This was the testimony of my wife, Patsy. She told me that when she got saved and she got baptized in the Holy Spirit, the colors were different. That wasn't the case for me, but apparently it had been for, for Thomas Merton. It was for her. C.S. Lewis said this, the convert during World War II, the cynic that became a believer. He said, God became man to turn creatures into sons, not simply to produce better men of the old kind, but to produce a new kind of man. It's a new creation that matters. John Owen said this, there's only one way to be revived and healed from our backslidings so that we may become fruitful even in old age. I'll read it again. There's only one way to be revived and healed from our backslidings so that we may become fruitful even in old age. We must take a steady look at the glory of Christ in his special character, in his grace and work 
as shown to us in the scripture. We've got to get our eyes on Jesus. We've got to see how good he is. See what his willingness is to bring change. Remember the woman caught in the act of adultery and they were going to stone, all the men were going to stone him. Jesus was riding on the ground. He said, let him who's never sinned cast the first stone. They dropped the stones and they left because in fact all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in one fell swoop, Jesus knocked the pretentious judgmentalism off these arrogant uh, religious sinners. And then he said, woman, where are your accusers? And he said, I don't see them anywhere, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Everybody say the day of a new beginning. And see, he could heal our backsliding, and he could revive us and heal us. Phillips Brooks says it this way, the only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. There were some people that got baptized today out of a conviction for a new start. And uh, you take what was the hand dealt you, and you take even your own failures and you use them and let God leverage them as a testimony of how exactly how good God is. We don't cover it up. We don't deny it. We just admit God brought me through some terrible things. Why? Because Jeremiah 29, 11 is absolutely true. He said, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not calamity to give you a future and a hope. I have a friend named Luis Conte. He's been here. He's played music here. He's played on, uh, you know, for Michael Jackson and Madonna. He's traveled with Phil Collins for decades and Jim, James Taylor. I saw him play with James Taylor many times. And uh, he got wonderfully saved. But, you know, his parents during the, t- the Cuban Revolution, he was musical. So they sent him to Spain or somewhere. And then he found his way to L.A. And then the family found their way back. And God had all along this plan, not only to cause Luis to have a, enjoy a good musical career and experience freedom in a country that allows religious freedom and, and, and uh, in the liberties that, that they were so hungry for, but even in that context, after Billy Graham had announced in St. Louis that he was going to retire, went ahead and had a meeting and wrote the Rose Bowl in, in, in L.A., and that's when God answered all of the culmination of his wife Lupe's prayers. Lupe prayed for Luis for so many years, tw- over 20 years. And Luis was painting in the house, and he overheard that Billy Graham was going uh, to be at the Rose Bowl. He said, hey, Lupe, we're going to go hear Billy Graham tonight. And she went, what, we are? Okay. And he took the initiative. He got saved there. You know, later on, he played music for me for many years. And then he actually even went to South America to play music with Billy Graham's son, Franklin Graham who we had chili with in Kosovo and who came in here and prophesied right there, a Presbyterian prophesied in this church about how much God was going to cause expansion and growth in this church because we were reaching out to our neighbors. So what's more of a miracle? The Cuban refugee that had all this roundabout and came into a great career in abundance and then his wife's prayers got answered and he got saved or that a Presbyterian prophesied to in our church a prophetic word hallelujah I love it I love it you can't make this stuff up the sermonator Chuck Swindoll said this even though your past is soiled anyone can find a new beginning with God don't get stuck on where you were don't waste your time focusing on what you used to be remember The hope we have in Jesus Christ means there are brighter days tomorrow. Our sins are forgiven and the shame is canceled. 
Hallelujah. In cancel culture, we need to understand how good it is that Jesus came to cancel, uh, not us, but our sin, so we can be revived into connection with God. He didn't come to cancel people. He came to cancel sin so that we can be uncanceled and be connected and have a new life in Jesus Christ. Oh, I'm excited about this in case you didn't notice. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Re, what? Renewing of your mind. Everybody say renewing. renewing. Renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I think that the will of God gets diminished, obscured, and eclipsed when we're not allowing our minds to be renewed. On the other hand, when we give our time over, like what was said earlier by Thomas Merton, by reading the scriptures, he said, I find I'm so renewed that even the whole complexion of the trees and the color of the sky and the greenery and everything around, and he says he feels like the world is charged with the glory of God, and he says he feels fire and music under his feet. Praise the Lord for that. I love Lamentations, chapter 3, verse 22 through 23. Let's, in fact, let's look that up. Lamentations is right after Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied, and he made an amazing encouragement in a book called Lamentations. Did you know you can have amazing encouragement in a time of lamentation? Did you know that? It's absolutely true. And uh, listen to this. This is profound here. Because this is a day of new beginnings for some of us. We'll start with verse 19. He said, Remember my affliction and my wandering, the wormwood and the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. Now, stop there. When we meditate on negatives, it causes our souls to be bowed down. It causes depression to alight upon us and discouragement to descend into us. It says, But then this I recall to mind. Then there's a shift. Therefore, I have hope. He has to do a shift, a paradigm shift in his thinking. He's not going to be conformed to this world and its systems. He's not going to live in the blues of the past. He's going to start to get his mind on something else. And he says, this I recall to mind, therefore I have hope. And then this is what he recalls to his mind. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. There's an inexhaustible supply of God's uh, obligatory loyal love toward you. He loves you. Even whatever you're going through with your family, your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, whatever you're facing, my God will supply all of your needs. You may be praying for a, a stubborn, unsaved relative. Luis was prayed for for over two decades by Lupe. They loved each other. They're beautiful, beautiful love for one another. They're, they're special family. But man, what a day when he gave his heart to Jesus. And his compassions never fail. Can I tell you, God is so compassionate, isn't he, Leon and Juanita? He's, got, he's compassionate. He, you know, don't you appreciate the gentleness of our God? I mean, I talked to some Hindus when I was young, and, you know, they had Vishnu. Wasn't Vishnu the destroyer? Is Vishnu, do you guys know anything about Hinduism? Are you from a Hindu background? No? They're not? Well, um, they, they, I think Vishnu's the destroyer, was it, or was it? Now I'm not, or is it Shiva? Who knows? Anyway, it was, and it was harsh. It was harsh. But God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. Come on. So we meditate on this and we ponder this. 
And they are new every morning. What? His loving kindness, his hope, his compassion. And great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, look, I have hope in him. When the Lord is your portion, he'll see you through a natural disaster, a disruption in a relationship, temptation to become bitter. Uh, He'll heal your backsliding. He'll, He'll guide you in the decisions of your life. Somebody in here, the devil's tried to eat at you to get you devoured and make you feel depressed and make you susceptible to sin and to wanting to give up. I thought about this, and I feel led to share it. Anthony Bourdain, just about my age, in an impulse, hung himself in, in France. Robin Williams, famous for laughter, hung himself in his garage. When I was 10 years old, my, my mother tried to take her own life, and it etched something in me. I said goodbye to my childhood at that point, and I realized I had faced something that was so formidable that would try to alight on people. And as a pastor, as a Christian, I've been, I've been, I've been angry at the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy and I, I, I hate that whole thing that the devil tries to terminate a life. And the devil's a liar. And I've heard it said this way. It's a long-term solution to a short-term problem. And it's important that you resist that temptation. When the devil tempted Jesus to throw himself off the temple, that was a form of that. And it was tempting to Jesus. And he, and he used scriptures. Well, aren't angels going to catch you up and take you up? He, he quoted Psalm 91, the devil, imagine that. But so I, I just touch on that just for a moment because that's not the course to take. That's not wise. That's not what God would have you do. There's a possibility of a miracle of a new beginning. There's a new beginning. And again, listen, I, I love what, what, this, what Philip's... Uh, uh, Brooks said, the only way to get rid of your past is to make a future out of it. God will waste nothing. You overcome by the word of your testimony. And uh, the more honest we are, the more like the Lord we're acting because he desires truth in the inner man. And true Christianity is at its best when we don't try to gl- cover things up, gloss over things. And uh, we endeavor to stay positive. It's like I, I think about the wormwood and the bitterness, and this my soul remembers, and it's bowed down within me. But this I recall to mind. Therefore, have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And uh, because the Lord is, my, uh, uh, is good to me and the Lord is my portion, I, therefore I have hope in me. Say that with me. Therefore I have hope in me. Say, the Lord is my portion. Says my soul, therefore I have hope in me. In him, but it's now in me. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. Remember what it said in Isaiah? They that wait upon the Lord will gain something. It's called new strength. My friend that had 18 surgeries, you know, he had to go through the cycles of it. I was with him on some of them when in, his, in his sports career. And uh, he just powered through it. And I've watched... My mentors, the, the influence, I don't like to use the word mentors, but the, my seniors, my elders that influenced me when I was young, one of the things I liked the best about them was their longevity. I love their integrity. I love their intent, but, and I love their faith. But, man, at the end of the day, they just kept pressing on. 
and they passed through the fire and they passed through the temptations and they, they got into a place of tremendous, a tremendous victory. Hallelujah. Everybody say, great is your faithfulness. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said. He said, nothing paralyzes our lives like the attitude that things can never change. Nothing paralyzes our lives like the attitude that things can never change. That's an attitude we've got to adjust. We need to remind ourselves that God can change things. Outlook determines outcome, says Warren Wiersbe. Outlook determines outcome. If we see only the problems, we will be defeated. Uh, but if we see the possibilities in the problems, we can and will have the victory. Please turn to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And uh, everybody say new beginnings. Now my wife, when she was in college, got this scripture out of Isaiah 43. Do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? He said, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Listen, this is a turning point. This is a day of new beginnings for us. Every day with Jesus has the possibility for a new beginning, a new horizon, a new generation, a new idea. We just watch people get baptized, and there's an element of newness to that, new opportunities, new seasons. Even new and witty inventions. Even in late and in this room, there are going to be people that are going to make good creative surges, and you should expect that. A lot of the most wonderful witty inventions happen by accident. So just pay attention and get ready. God could give you an idea that can make history, shape destiny, and impact nations. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 3, one of my all-time favorite zones in the Bible, verse 12, not that I've already obtained it, Paul said. I've not arrived yet. I'm learning. I'm growing. Or I've already become perfect or mature. But this one thing I do, I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which I was also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. God's got a hold of you for a reason. In fact, for a series of divine interventions. You're created in Christ for good works. Let your life be ennobled by that. And this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples, and that your fruit would remain. Polish off this, get your vision back, write out a personal mission statement, or rewrite what God's put on your heart. I encourage you to write it based on Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, make it plain on tablets so the one that reads it may run. Write it down. In my Bible, 1978, in my session in class, when Joe Nanowski was preaching in this classroom, great businessman, I wrote down, my goal in life, my primary goal is to honor God and to help people. It's up on the wall. I keep it before me. What honors God? Faith pleases God. The love walk pleases God. Forgiveness pleases God. Honoring the Lord with our wealth pleases God. Prayer pleases God. I'm just always trying to learn what pleases the Lord. And then help people. What does that mean? What doesn't it mean? Uh, don't over-obligate, but don't hesitate. Let's figure out what God wants us to do, where God wants us to do it. You can't be everywhere, but you need to be somewhere. But you can't do it if you keep a negative uh, uh, bias. God visited two cities that I had something to do with when I grew up in California. 
One was San Francisco, one was Los Angeles. God tried to warn San Francisco, God warned Los Angeles. A, a little moment in a street called Azusa, people prayed under a, one, a blind and one eye African-American during severe uh, segregation. And the Lord touched him because there is no segregation in God. And God used and utilized that man's hunger for him and changed the tone of Christianity in a five-year period while San Francisco had an earthquake. I want God to be a praise in the earth, and I want our city to be a praise in the earth, and I want you and me and us and we as a people to be a praise in the earth, and I want to see the glory of God fill the house. Amen? I love Revelation 21.5, one of the last statements. said, he makes all things new. He makes all things new. How about that? I had a dream when I was young, and I told it to a friend named Bill. I said, Bill, I had a dream last night that the sky, the stars were changing. And he said, was it like it was rolling up like a scroll? And I said, exactly. And he said, that's in, the, that's in Revelation. And I had this, that he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. I mean, everything we see is going to melt with a fervent heat. That's why it's pointless to be materialistic because it's all going to melt. It's like, don't let that be your God, because it's temporal. We look at things that are unseen. It's smart to bet your lives on the unseen realities. Amen? Philippians, listen, let's continue. Brethren, he says, I press on. He says in verse 13, brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That, let that be your abiding meditation. I press on. Say, I press on. Toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That young girl with the braids, you got a new beginning. You got new responsibility. How old are you? 11. And Hebrews 11:11 11, 11 is your verse. Sarah received the ability to conceive after the proper time of life. Now you're young. She was almost 90 something years old when she had a baby. Through your life, what's your first name? Okay. Through your life, you trust God in your youth, your teenage years, 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. I see Juanita nodding her head. And Juanita has been serving God for many, many years. She's a little farther down the road of life than you. But she's nodding her head because she's, she knows the value of living for the Lord as a child and as a teenager and as a young 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and then and on. And David said, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken or God's people beg for bread. And I'm telling you, we are in a growth potential we are in a manifestation of the move of the Holy Spirit right now, the likes of which some of us have not ever experienced. These are days of new beginnings. These are seasons of refreshing. And I'm not like one of these guys that said the tree colors changed and I felt dance and fire under my feet. I, when I got saved, I had a headache and I wondered what I was getting myself into. That's my testimony. And I, and I, you know, and I, I would have been just like Peter saying, I would die for you, Lord, and then the next minute deny him, you know, because in your own power, because I was so young and naive. But yet God was good. God took a hold of me. So I don't compare my testimony with anybody else's. 
If somebody felt like they're levitating off the ground, that's awesome. And if somebody felt uh, uh, maybe concerned, like what's going to happen? What, you know, what's at stake here? You're just counting the cost. It's you know, we don't. It's not wise to compare ourselves among ourselves. But like Chuck Swindoll said, don't waste your time focusing on the past. Don't waste your time focusing on what you used to be. Don't waste your time, I'll just elaborate on it, on what you should have, could have, would have done. Don't waste your time focusing on had this person not done this or that person done that, then I, you know, because then it, it shifts your energies and you're giving more energy and time to it. You, you, you just don't want to keep giving it power. There, you know, some of you are mad at people that have been dead for 10 years. And you keep raising them up out of the dead and letting them propping them up in the corner and being mad at them. And it's like, just forget about it, forgive them, and press on. Yeah. All right, here's some notes to take. I wrote this down. I found this, this, this list while I was studying. And uh, so new beginnings. I, I want to encourage you to try new things. I talked to a psychiatrist years ago of a, a, a doctor of another patient. We were asking for advice from him regarding how we should help this other patient. We paid for, oh, I don't know, an hour, yeah. and it was $75, yeah. and that was way a long time ago. Yeah. And it was, and he was gonna, you know, he said, no, no, I said, no, we're not trying to get any a freebie, we, we need help. So one of the first things he said to us was for our own well-being as we're trying to help somebody else Go try new things. What, what do you mean? Get out of your element. Well, we, you know, he said, like, what I'm saying is pick a new restaurant. Drive a different way down the street. And I listened to this guy and I thought, you know, this is, this is pretty interesting. Because yeah. I, I was just with some pastor friends in California. And we were reminiscing about the time we... We were in a pastor's conference with T.L. Osborne. T.L. Osborne was a hero to Patsy and me. He was a pioneer in, in outreach in India and the nations. He uh, rented a, uh, a bullfighting ring in Cuba just days before everything closed in the 50s. And, he, and he's out in a bullfighting ring. He said he would go into these doors just, just when they opened and then he'd leave just when they closed. He, he, just said, he told my friend, Billy Joe Doherty, he said he told him, he used to pastor in victories in heaven now. He said, watch, pay attention on the news for refugees because wherever there are refugees, there are people that you previously couldn't have reached. So Billy Joe went to Albania. We went to Kosovo. And, uh, but you try new things. Try new things. Go buy a set of pens at Michael's and get some paper and draw. If you really want to make your family mad, get a harmonica and play it while you're watching television. <laughs> Number two, try new things. Get out of the, look, I do this with Patsy. We'll, we'll drive just a different route. We're not taking the highway. We're going to take this road. We're not going to take this road. We're going to take this road. The other day, instead of going to Clayton or 40, we went to Manchester. Now, Manchester is where angels fear to tread. <laughs> so it was not only something new, it was dangerous. Calculated risk. Number two, don't live in the fear of failure. Don't live in the fear of failure. Because let me tell you something. We learn from failure. We learn from mistakes. And somebody even said, if you want to increase success, you have to increase failure. Well, we don't like that because we don't like to fail. We don't like to, you know, uh, have to experience that. 
but it just means we're attempting something. We're getting out of the box. We're getting out of our comfort zone. Uh, so it doesn't mean we're flagrantly trying to fail. We don't want to intend, intentionally ever fail. We don't want to do that, but we don't want to fear failure so that we stay so reserved that we end up living a, a, a mediocre existence having never tried anything. Does that make sense? Number three, talk to the people you encounter. The other day I was in line at a a store and we had to be socially distanced. We're wearing masks. We're waiting in line. There are plexiglass up by the cash registers and there are only two people at the cash registers and we're waiting in line and they're playing flaming, vibrant disco over the PA system. And I'm listening to it, and I'm just like, this is pure, loud disco. So I turned around, and this lady, I never met her. She never met me. And I'm wearing a mask. She's wearing a mask. She's minding her business. I'm minding my business. I turned around, and I said, do you think that they're playing disco to get us out of here or to make us buy more stuff? And she said, well, I am tapping my feet. And so we just... I didn't lead her to the Lord. We, you know, we weren't having, I didn't start singing Amazing Grace or anything like that. But I just broke the ice. And in breaking the ice, uh, there, it created connection. And I talked to somebody. Right? Because some things can come of that. Because conversation can then lead to talking about Jesus. Or it's, what can I pray for you about? Or maybe not. Or maybe the next time. You know, and I'm, I love the, I actually, I wear a mask. I think nobody knows who I am. Hey, what's up, Pastor Jeff? All the time. It's like, well, oh, well. And one guy, uh, Skip, at this restaurant, he said, you look better with a mask. That is mean, man. I told him I called the Better Business Bureau, and they hung up on me. So I'm, joke, I'm joking about that. Don't do that. But, talk, but learn, you know, we tell kids don't talk to strangers, and that is important. That's a whole other piece. But I want to say to us as a people, let's find wherever we can find a common ground with people. Let's develop, let's ask, trust the Lord to help us with our people skills. Addison Kowalik, my daughter, was pointing this out last week, and I thought it was a really noteworthy point. Uh, we'd become rusty with our people skills just by social distancing masks and the concerns about spreading a contagious disease. But, you know, God has never let up on us where he wants the spread of the gospel. That's a good spread. That's a good contagion. That's a good thing, right? So if you want to have new beginnings, step out of the box. Acknowledge people. Number four, be willing to change. Be willing to change. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Don't get overly set and overly calcified. I have a friend who just got married at 70 years old. He went to another country. His wife is, is born in, uh, in the Netherlands, in Holland. And uh, he got to be there for a month with her, with her family. He said it just opened up new ideas to him about how he can lift her and how he can adapt, they can adapt in their marriage. And I thought, wow, you know, at 70, this guy is willing to change. You know, and that, that's really what you have to do through the whole course of your life. That's one of the dividends of church. That's one of the dividends of working a job with other people. That's one of the dividends of marriage is it forces us out of self-centeredness and forces us into consideration if we'll listen to it and yield to it and understand it. 
to be sensitive to the needs of others, right? And that'll help us in our new, new beginnings. Again, number five, write down a personal mission statement. Get some vision about the next phases of your life. Write down some, some projects. Write down some ideas. I think it's really helpful to tangibly get a pen and write things down. It's really a good idea. Number seven, don't get hung up on perfectionism. Oh, huh? The perfect point to miss a point? Not to be perfect. See, I was not having a problem with not being perfectionistic because I wasn't perfect. Watch your attitude over there, David. Watch when you laugh. I like when you laugh, but... Don't try to fit in. Be who you are. Um, that, that, that doesn't mean be obnoxious and try to be so counterculture about everything that you're rude. Uh, learn to flow with people, right? But be yourself. I just experienced, I went to a conference where no two of the speakers were alike. They've been ministering together for decades. And every one of them had a comfort level about in, in their own skin. Didn't you feel that way? That, that, that they, didn't, they, they didn't try to pick up and do the exact same thing the other one did or compete with the other one. There's such a level of maturity and security in each one that they, they flowed in their particular gift and their particular life message and what the Lord, they felt the Holy Spirit was leading them to preach. And it was a beautiful experience for me because it would just enable me to just, I, I got so much more out of each person because they were being true to who they, they are. Do you know, you can't, you can't be like somebody else. That's what, that position is already taken. Yeah, so you be the best you that you could be, right? And, and don't try to fit in in some sort of conformity. Um, you know, don't be so obsessed on uniqueness, though, but yet be who you are. Paul said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Popeye said, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. Number seven, don't get hung up on perfection. Excellence is the goal. We can excel, but perfectionism, that's unattainable. To try to be perfect, if you wait around for everything to be perfect, you'll just wait around. I found it's a fuel for procrastination. I could see it. So we got to push past that and just figure out, let's just get it done. And uh, lastly, let's stand up on our feet. Celebrate every blessing and milestone in your life. Get up and celebrate every blessing and milestone in your life. We were out of town and Pastor Patsy turned to me and we were talking about the year of breakthrough. And uh, we were discussing it. And she said, let's count off our breakthroughs. And we counted seven within a city block. We were walking for about a city block and we turned to each other and the level of encouragement that got on us was so powerful and palpable and formidable it changed it shaped the way we were the rest of the time we were there we were like wow that we could never have created that we had prayed about that and we just put it in God's hands and he worked it out on such levels and then we just have we've had so many more and we're still getting them hallelujah I hear the chains falling I see days of new beginnings now, what anniversary did you two just have? What's that? What's what's the anniversary, Nancy? Sixty-four. 
And I say, those are days of new beginnings. They're just getting started in their marriage. Leon and Juanita, how long you been married? 67? Wow. Young people, listen, man, that's what's happening around here. Longevity and, and harmony and monogamy and joy in a marriage. That's what's happening. That's part of what I love about church. I pick up from that kind of, I get super hugely encouraged by that. I, I look and I see people serving God, joined at the hip, pressing on in faith. It does something to me. It does something to my faith. Let's sing, I hear the chains falling. You believe God over your case, over those things that are stubbornly trying to oppose you. Trust God over our country, that it remains as the republic upon within the basis upon which God founded it. There are more things God wants to do through the United States of America to impact the nations concerning the gospel. And we don't want the devil to vie for that and try to blur it and hinder it, cripple it, make it just like everything else. God wants us to be particular in our responsibility. What God did in Nigeria, I'm believing he's gonna do in America with such great spiritual revival that, that I landed there one time and there was a prayer meeting that I wasn't even going to that had over 1 million people in it. You can't make that up. Who, who goes, I went to a prayer meeting and there were a million people in attendance physically, not an exaggeration. Hallelujah.